fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Here we are once again, F Triple G B T. We are the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology and makes it a reality. And we have the brain trust assembled. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn. With me, physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon. Great to be here, Dan. Very excited about this episode. I know. This is this is a Denon original. This is this is we did this on on your behest. I'm very excited to crack into this. Uh, we can't do it. The two of us can't do this alone. We need our enigmatic engineer, Ben Seepser, who's reporting still from an undisclosed location, right? That's correct. Enigmatic engineer, Ben Seepser, thanks for being here. Thank you, Dan. Uh, so again. Denon, you wanted to do this show. I think this you really introduced me to something pretty cool here. We're gonna talk. We're talking Shira. We're not gonna talk so much about the 1980s show. We're talking about the new Netflix show, mostly because the 80s show was kind of slapped together without much of a storyline <laughs> or, or any arcs. Uh, they just wanted to sell toys, right. and there was a lot of thought and, and put into this. And I got to hand it to you, then, and I kind of raised an eyebrow when you were like, "Let's do Shira." Not because I'm too, I'm not, I'm not, I'm too much of a man to do Shira. I love the show. I had no problem doing it. I did not think it was going to be this deep, this layered. It's a good show, really good show. Yeah, no, thank you, Dan. I I, I like it when I get something right. <laughs> No, you. A lot of times, this is you nailed yeah. it this time. So let's talk about this. What did you guys? What was your? This was such a, a unique and interesting show for me. I'm curious what your takes were, Denon. You, you, why did you want to do this one? Well, I, I think for me, I, I love the idea that we're toying with, which is any sufficiently advanced magic as technology. Um, right. And what I particularly like about this is the show explicitly refers separately to magic and technology, and yet under our theme, it's probably all technology. It just depends mm-hmm. on your point of view and who's looking at it. So that juxtaposition right. of magic and technology was what drew it to, drew me to it, particularly for the show. No, that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I love that too. Uh, ben, y- you became a super fan of this show. Yeah. Uh, what happened? What, 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 I started <laughs> binging. I think it's all Entrapta and her her <laughs> amazing engineering. Uh, like, I love Entrapta too. She's great. I, how can you not love somebody with uh, you know prehensile hair? So she has extra hands to do all her research and and tinkering. And someone who fundamentally doesn't care which side she's working with, as long as it has a really yeah. good lab. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, I will say though, for for prehensile hair, I believe Dixie Kong from Donkey Kong Country Three does predate Entrapta. <laughs> um, but but I got to tell you, I, she was she was my favorite yeah. as well. I really liked her. What's kind of interesting about this is we got a lot of stuff going on here. They do mention they do mention magic and technology, and in this world, and I grew up like watching He Man. I liked He Man a lot. I didn't realize how. How crazy the way they meld magic and technology. They're two basically, it's like, you know, it's the 800s and 2022, <laughs> or, you know, like, like combined into one, you know, or, or you know, it's this very right. strange, strange thing. In the original, Castle Grayskull is really the source of this kind of mythical magic. But in, in She Ra, in the new She Ra, what, what I love is that. We have these very definite arcs. We have very definite reasons for the science and technology. We have, you know, 
we have the princesses of power, which is this other unique thing, where all of these princesses are kind of attuned to these crystals that give them their power, but also power the planet and also power She-Ra's sword. And she's kind of involved in all of this stuff. They do a lot of great things. I think we need to start at its base. She-Ra is about crystals and the science and technology and biological connection to them. We have to start there. Well, Dan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start here with an interesting um, negative that I'm going to try and turn positive. Okay. So I think crystals are the most misunderstood pseudoscience out there, right? Um, crystals mm-hmm. get a lot of press to do a lot of things they just fundamentally can't do. Okay. So I, I want to start with that from a technology point of view. Sure. That being said, crystals are fundamentally cool, um, and they do have a lot of obviously clear um, technological and important uses because of many of their properties that come from the crystal structure that create unique interactions with light, unique interactions with electricity, unique interactions with stresses. Mm -hmm. Um, And so crystals really play a fundamental role in technology, just not often in ways um, people think. And so to, to use them as a conduit for power is what I would uh, tend to approve of from a more science point of view. Now, these are sufficiently advanced crystals. I possibly don't understand them. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as sources of power, I, I, I think they they really don't make sense from a physics point of view. But they are amazing conduits of power. So I do I, – I think of them as the connection between the princesses and whatever the ultimate source of power is as the transducer or the conduit that modulates – an initial source of power puts it in a mode that a particular princess can access and use, and then she uses it. So that that's my sort of general high-level take on the crystals. So I'm guessing you don't have a lot of crystals around your house to kind of align your chakras. You're not you're not really in line with that. No, no. The only chakra stuff I really enjoyed was I once was given chakra chocolate. <laughs> um, and on the fundamental basis that all chocolate is good, right. um, that definitely helped align my chakras. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Now, one thing I will say is in the Shira world, there is circuitry that you can see outlined within the crystals, which makes me think yeah. that there's some sort of you know they're using crystals in some technological way and i will exactly. say and ben i'm going to let you mm-hmm. expound upon this but what i'm going to say is with crystals there is they are able to uh, i believe it's a piezoelectricity is you can, can you can conduct yes. it by squeezing and mechanically manipulating a crystal and it will generate electricity which i almost didn't believe i had to read it twice but it was on a science website so and dan if you really have any doubts about that i believe it's a oh, which lifesaver is it now one of the lifesavers if Don't you you're green you bite it in the spark you'll see, dark you'll see a spark winter green thank you yep you'll see the piezoelectricity yeah. So, yeah, it is real. And that's why I say it kind of as a transducer and a conduit. In that case, there's an energy that's required to squeeze it that generates the electricity that you then use. So that's kind of a great example of what yeah. I meant. Okay. So, Ben, how does this – can we combine the circuitry and crystals like that? Well, so fundamentally, our entire modern world is based on crystallography. Computers don't exist without crystals. Um, you know, you hear about silicon com- computer chips, Right. Mm-hmm. The silicon in your computer chips is a crystal, and it's actually a very specific, fancy kind of crystal because it's it's a it's a perfect crystal. In order to make hmm. a substrate that you can etch a circuit board or uh, an electric circuit onto, the crystal has to be perfect 
because any imperfections in that crystal will cause gaps in the semiconductors that will cause mm. them to not work. The basis of all this stuff, like I love the data crystal we see that um, they give to Entrapta towards the end of the first season, where it has these etchings, it's electronic, and it's carrying data. And mm-hmm. fundamentally, a crystal is an amazing way to store data, to store a circuit, for, to recall that data, because crystals have incredibly long lifetimes. They're, they're, they're hard. They don't degrade. Most of them don't degrade unless you're you know, like exposing them to erosion-like elements. So a lot of it really makes sense. From from that perspective, hmm. how you you know have a crystal and a sword that then transforms you into a warrior goddess. That part I'm not not as clear on, <laughs> but 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 from a data and an energy conduit standpoint, it it to me it, it makes a lot of sense. What what I love is and this is kind of a spoiler alert for the show, but essentially Etheria, the planet on which Shira and the princesses of power reside. There were people who came there and basically mm-hmm. turned the planet into a weapon, an energy source, where all of these crystals can come together and essentially create Shira, which is the conduit of the energy, mm-hmm. the combination of energy. And there's lots of different colors involved. Is there some way that these crystals? So each one has to be aligned. They have to. Have, there has to be like an equilibrium, like a homeostasis, in order for them to be kind of activated. Is there any type of energy source that could be split? Like it's so powerful, it needs to be split into different entities, and then. But once you combine them, then it creates the the major energy source. Well, for me, I think of this the same way you would think of, say, as a laser. Okay. So a a laser works fundamentally by having um, semi-reflective surfaces that allow the light to be reflected back and forth interact with the medium in between Mm -hmm. the two mirrors to create what we call an inverted population, but the right population of excited electrons. And then at the right time, those um, all drop together and you get the spontaneous emission. Mm. And so the laser is the light amplified spontaneous emission. And I always forget what the R is, probably reflection. I don't know. Um, Because laser is actually an acronym. Right, yeah. Um, We forget that, right? And so I think of these crystals maybe perhaps as a bit of a a laser just in a different wavelength, not in the visible light wavelength, right? And so what you're doing is the planet's the lazing medium, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, And because we don't know what the planet's made out of, it could be made out of interesting materials. And the crystals, when they're aligned in the right way, allow for this to happen. Hmm. And in fact, if you look at what goes bad when, when Entrapta messes with the dark crystal, it, it looks a lot like a laser type effect. Yeah, I think the the technology side of this it's a little it's a little beyond our reach, but it's not super far fetched. One of the things that I that I want to be able to explain is there seems to be a biological connection between the princesses and the crystals. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if this is going into crystals aligning your chakra territory, <laughs> but how is there any way that you could? Is, do crystals have a specific frequency that you would need to be attuned to? Is there any way to basically align yourself with a crystal's individual frequency? Yes. I mean, so every every physical object has a fundamental frequency. Okay. Well, I, that's not entirely. Every every like rigid object 
has mm-hmm. has a fundamental frequency that and especially if it's of a of a single element or a single molecule. So crystals are mm-hmm. the the perfect example of this. We use crystals to drive the clocks of our well of most of our world. I mean, the most precise clocks in our world are atomic clocks and those measure vibrations of cesium atoms and blah blah blah, you get the time. But but cheaper ver but the the more accessible version of time is you hear about a quartz watch, right? A quartz watch is literally there's a chunk of quartz in your watch and it's hooked up to an electric circuit and that electricity causes the quartz to uh, to vibrate electrically vibrate the circuit at a specific frequency and then that frequency is used to then tell time. And so these giant crystals would have the exact same thing. They would have a fundamental frequency and th- that they would be attuned to. Yeah, and I think the other thing is the fact that they are of different colors yeah. um, alludes a little bit to the different crystal structures because they're going to interact with light differently, which then would allude to the different core fundamental um, vibration frequencies. I think the trick here is on the biology side, mm-hmm. right? Um, a- as we've talked about, you know, any sufficient technology – might look like magic. Mm-hmm. We also could argue that any sufficiently different or new biology mm-hmm. would look like magic. So it, it's the basic principle of being attuned to a frequency. I, I think Ben really nailed there. Way to go, Ben. Nice job, ben. Um, and, and I think the biology tr- side is the challenge of imagining how would a biological creature leverage that frequency mm-hmm. or leverage that vibration and how would you connect to it over distances and then convert it into some other, you know, manifestation. I, I mean, at a very naive level, right, photosynthesis looks like magic until you understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you take in light and you generate, you know, sugar um, or, or whatever it is that it does. You know? <laughs> You're not a botanist. <laughs> I'm not a botanist. I think no, I got that exactly right, right. But I'm trying to remember yeah. ninth grade biology no, sure. here. No, that's Water and air in, sugar out. So it raises an interesting question of of how does the conduit work like what what spectrum what type of vibration is it sending out is it focused on the physical sound phonon vibration or is it more an optical vibration are Mm -hmm. we which frequencies are we looking at how is it transmitting and then how is the the biology of the princesses converting that to a power Right. No, I love that. So like, you know, in in the human ear, we've got all of these different hairs that vibrate at different frequencies. And over the course of evolution, we've developed ones that are more sensitive to the vocal range of the human voice. You know, you've got animals who are attuned to different things and they can know when you're coming in the door, right? People have said they've got a weird sixth sense. Well, they're not, it's not a psychic thing, but they're picking up on different changes that are right around the time when you walk in the door, they're able to detect it. Every, almost everyone in the Shira world is some sort of chimera. I think Scorpia is like, you know, part scorpion, right? I think Catra Kat, right, yeah. is probably part cat. You know, I'm just going out on a limb here, right? So they have, they, they have some of these, some of these, I want to, you know, quasi biologically advanced you know kind of equipment they're able they seem human but they've got the sensitivity of certain animals and i think over the course of where whenever this takes place so you know it's got a lot of star wars e type things maybe it's a long time ago in a place far far away but maybe evolution did certain things and their biology was such that they could in fact 
be attuned to very slight very variations in frequencies given off by the crystals in such a way that it would affect their biology. That seems plausible to me. Yeah. yeah. Mostly because I said it, I guess. No, I, I think I, I think that's kind of the way you have to go with something like this is, yeah. is ask the questions. You know, it then gets real tricky. How do you convert this into some of the things they actually do? Right. But, you know, like, for instance, why would music always play when you raise your sword and say, for the honor of Grayskull? <laughs> you know, that's always an interesting question I have. And why do our clothes change for no apparent yeah. reason? Right, exactly. Yeah, where, where does the armor right. come from? Right. <laughs> and why is she not just she all the time? I never really understood that. Right. Uh, so there are some questions that are hard to answer, Dan, but there's others I think we kind of nailed. Yeah. Right, right. No, I think so. Well, one of the things I want to get to, because I think we kind of got the crystal thing here down. So there's a character named Bo, both in this version and the original version. I happen to like the visual of the original bow because he's got like a really cool mustache. He's got like this kind of like French mustache, which I like. But, you know, this, the bow in the, the modern She-Ra, he kind of, it's very Hawkeye-ish, you know, yeah. very um, uh, green, uh, green Arrow, I think, also does similar stuff maybe, or I'm, I'm way off on this. But this idea of basically having an arrow for every occasion it's almost in some ways like Batman's utility belt, like yeah. the 1966 Batman utility belt, except it's an arrow. How possible – I know, Ben, you've, you've been researching a lot yeah. of the arrows here. Uh, yeah, I made a list. Possible- <laughs> <laughs> in, I mean, the first season alone, we see like eight different arrows, <laughs> at least that I, that I noticed. There might have been more. Um, but most of them are – well, some are more plausible than others for sure. Like there's a goo yeah. arrow that he shoots where like it hits you and then like it throws out some sticky stuff. Like that seems totally reasonable. You could put some sure. You know, rubber cement in a capsule that breaks when it hits you. <laughs> like that's easy. It's nothing Kevin McAllister couldn't yeah. make is what you're saying. Um but there's others that are tougher like a lasso arrow. A lasso arrow. A lasso arrow. That's I mean, you could have it have a rope, but like I don't think it's going to make the lariat and actually <laughs> rope something up well I, you know i think ben as you're saying that it's sort of the spider-man problem yeah. right a lot of spider-man's webs are, are reasonable can do things um until they're really doing some yeah. interesting um auto-controlled motion so it would definitely have to be some sort of um nanorobotic lasso yeah. web <laughs> but but half I'd, i think half of the ones on this list are perfectly reasonable like the message arrow works a stun arrow no problem the sonic arrow why not Emergency flare right. arrow. Heck, I'm pretty sure we have those. Like, right. It's a flare on a <laughs> yeah, stick, a flare basically. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, a lot of it is rather cheeky in its obviousness, but a lot of it is really cool. Like, I love his, like, net and web arrows and just how ridiculous in size sometimes they get where he's, you know, he's, yeah. like, roping, like, ten... Horror guys in one era, whatever. Well, it's also funny how obsessed the show is with nets because I think there's a princess who makes a right. Point there's a princess say, who yeah. makes nets, who makes nets, which is weird because their powers are somehow elemental but still connected to the crystal. I don't know where nets. Maybe come she's in. a spider princess. Oh, maybe but she doesn't have okay, spider I got bits. I don't know. No, she just makes nets, but they're super handy. Yeah. I mean, they've all and they, but if you notice, a lot of them are energy nets too. Yeah, right. Oh, they have yeah. an energy component to them, so that's the crystal element. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. So I, I like that Bose. He's almost like this kind of crafty engineer in a way. Who well, kind he is. of yeah. He's the tinker. He's a member of the maker community. <laughs> right. Well, I also like that he really has this sort of 
um, self-worth problem with Entrapta, yeah. uh-huh. right? That he sees her as a far superior engineer. Well, she is. Yeah. Um, and he has this odd relation, <laughs> and she is, yeah, um, she is and he has this odd relationship with her where when he thinks she's dead, that he has to somehow fill her shoes and make even better arrows, yeah. right? Like there's a motivation there to take his arrows to the next level. I love that. Um, you know, which is, you know, they're, they're, it, it reveals the human side of us scientists. We are a bit yeah. competitive at times. I think the times. reality is he needs to grow his hair out first, so he gets the extra limbs. So It's super handy. He's like, she's like Dr. Octopus yeah. in a way. I mean, you need that. Every scientist needs an extra pair of hands. Yeah. You should have a, a, an arrow, and a hand arrow or something like that. It's funny you mentioned the lassos being the most unlikely of things. Yeah. Because... There is actually a device. The LAPD has a device. It's it's by a company called Bolo Wrap, and it's essentially it's a device that shoots a bolo at people. It's for you know it's for non non lethal containment, yeah. I guess you would say. But it's you know it's kind of like a lot of the old cartoons had this, where someone had bolo that yeah. they would whip and throw in, and. But it's kind of like this, but it is almost like an arrow, except you're not. Well, a bolo is a thing that works. <laughs> Right, yeah, but that's kind of <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's true. But it's similar. I mean, I imagine if if you have maybe you've got micro weights on the lasso and it uh, goes yeah. and spins. I mean, if he had a bolo you know? arrow, I would be a hundred percent on board. <laughs> but it literally made a lasso, which okay. I don't buy. What, what what I do like, I believe, Ben. Um, you reminded me that I am correct that he also has one arrow that's just sharp, right? Yes, yes, he does at one point say, "Well, this one's just sharp." And that's a very useful arrow, and and and, and I believe it's technologically accurate. <laughs> yeah, he uses those a lot on the dumb robots. Right, very sound technologically. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, the real question is, how sharp is it? <laughs> one of the other things that I loved about Shira, and I like this about the original cartoon as well, is that Hordak. Again, we've got cloning in here, which we probably won't quite right. get to. But I love this idea of Hordak as an alien coming there. Yeah. And he's really like an invasive species. And his fright zone, and this was true in the original as well, the area where it's kind of like this growing industrial section of the city I don't really understand. It's like a, it's like a perpetually stormy industrial center of town. But it just grows, and that's the fright zone. But I love this idea of an alien species coming and being invasive. And in a lot of ways, both he and his philosophies are kind of growing in the world with the people he kind of recruits. And Adora, who is She-Ra, spoiler alert, <laughs> she's She-Ra, but she's one of his, you know, kind of um, member of the Horde. I just love this kind of idea of an alien coming in and, like, what happens when a truly alien substance comes and tries to live inside of a world that is very similar to, to where it was from. Oh, well, I, I agree, Dan. And what I like is, to me, you end up actually with three pieces. You have Hordak's technology, mm-hmm. right, which he, you know, he didn't have a lot to start with. He's actually kind of a MacGyver-like character, mm-hmm. right? Sure. He comes to the play- planet um, I believe through um, a portal yep. with limited resources, and and he's creating this fright zone, this technology, which is you know a technology that's not in sync with the planet. Let's say right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You have what they keep referring to as the first one's tech, mm-hmm. which is the technology that was around and native to the planet. But then you have the magic, which is as we've already explained, is actually technology. Um, but they think of as magic. So you really have these three different technologies interacting with mm. each other. And that's kind of an interesting, you know, sort of look at things, how different types of science and different mm. types of engineering mm. 
might interface or not interface. And that's, yeah, again, yeah. I'm with Ben and, and, and you that Entrapta is probably my favorite character, yeah. mm-hmm. certainly my favorite princess. And she's the one who's willing to experiment, as all good scientists, at bringing things together that maybe shouldn't be brought together yeah, all the time. Sure. Well, yeah, and, yeah. you know, as much as we don't like Hordak, I appreciate that he recognizes the brilliance and and value of Entrapta over, right, you know, the course. rather stupid pettiness of, you know, Catra and her, and her singular hatred of Adora. Like, Entrapped is there to make technology better. And I love that Hordak appreciates that. And, and, and I love a show that has a line about just not using properly insulated yes. wires. <laughs> I love that she ingratiates herself to him simply by just fixing a problem. Like his his things are shorting out, and she goes in and you know fixes the wiring, and then he's like, "Oh, yeah, I guess I guess she's all right." <laughs> right, she knows what she's doing. She knows way around a strange world. You know, well, I gotta. So, Denon, I like what you said there. I want to go on that a little bit. So, you mentioned the first one's technology. Now, in a way, it is not native to the planet, from what I understand. The planet, yeah, it, it's brought in, and but they, it's old, right? So, the, but but here's what I love: so you have the planet, and it's it's just exists. Then you have the 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 first ones come, and they in, kind of implant their own technology into the planet. So essentially, they're trying to work with with the planet, I guess, or even in some ways against yeah. it because they're making they're ma- they're trying to weaponize the planet in a way. No, that's true. It, it's hard to say what they're doing exactly. Yeah. But they're integrating to it. Integrating to the planet right. might be a good word. They're going with the grain, not against it, in a way. Right. right. And Hordak comes down, and his technology is going against the grain and definitely at odds with it. I, that is a really interesting way to kind of look at what is happening when Hordak comes down as an alien and kind of does all that. I, that's a great idea. I love that. Yeah. And, and the other thing I, I, I find fascinating is how how – problematic i mean hordak's technology is expanding like you said it's it's kind of like a you know sort of a parasitic um invasion Mm -hmm. but he is having trouble succeeding right right and it's really entrapped of bringing the two together and trying to integrate some of the first one's tech that helps him make any progress at all just shows you need a good engineering department (laughs) that's true one of the other things before before we finish here i want to mention that swift wind Mm-hmm. Is kind of so. I, I've always been fascinated with this idea of a flying horse. Like, is it so? Is it possible? Right. I mean, I think from a physics standpoint, bumblebees are not supposed to be able to fly. Yeah. But they yeah, I, I always hear that, and I is and I've never been able to follow up on it. Well, look, it, it's got to. It can't defy the laws of physics. I mean, we all no. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it can't be an animal that defies the laws of physics. Is the reality bed that it was just hard to figure out? It, it's it's the way their my understand from what I remember it's that their the way their wings beat isn't quite the same as everything else so it didn't really make sense if you looked at other bees or something like that I won't hold you to yeah. that that's the, but but I find I just find it interesting that when you look at things like a flying horse it appears in a lot of different ways how would that be possible I'm not gonna I'm not gonna force yeah. you to answer that question but what I do like is that Swift Wind's horn. Mm-hmm actually acts as i think technology i, th- I think they use the right. oh, yeah. to open up uh, light hopes little domain right it opens it up and he detects things with the door and and you really get an antenna technology there going ah, on okay right the, the horn is fundamentally an antenna um, i do want to just comment 
you know, he's an example of rapid evolution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Right. He starts as a horse and he shows the unique biology of the planet. I'm suspecting his bones became hollow and that's why he can fly. Oh, yeah. You okay. need that. I mean, well, it's also rapid evolution that he's a creature with a different body plan than everything else in the world. Like nothing has six <laughs> limbs, nothing, nothing oh, okay. vertebrate at least. So it's a, it's, that's like one of the things that's always interesting about seeing winged horses is that everything we know that flies, their wings are their arms, but horses already have mm. arms. It's their front legs. So right, right. it's yeah, yeah, totally yeah. against the evolutionary body plan of what we have on earth. So it's a really, I, lo- I love seeing, you know, that is how you will know an alien is when it doesn't have four limbs. Well, I will tell you, Entrapta has essentially, she has six limbs as well. If you count her hair, yeah, that's like a prehensile hair. It's prehensile I mean, hair. It's, that's true. Although maybe it's a robot. Maybe her hair is a robot. We don't, we don't know. It could be a robotic wig for sure. <laughs> but I do like the antenna horn, Dan. And I like it as um, it, it goes to the whole vibration theme behind the transmission and the connections between mm. things. Yeah. Um, and you could imagine the spiraling of the horn being attuned and giving it certain frequencies that it's right. going to be sensitive to. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that will help it, you know, unlock and, and, and be a, a signature for unlocking, like you said, the various buildings it does and, mm-hmm. and other things. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it opens up. So on that, it opens up light hopes world. And just really quickly in closing, I want to talk about light hope because I found Light Hope to be pretty pretty interesting because mm-hmm. it's it's this AI virtual reality kind of system, but almost in a Westworldy type fashion. There's like and and like it combines like Hal from 2000. I don't know if you finished. You didn't finish it, uh, Denon, but Hal's part of yeah. But I, I read the book, okay. so I do know who Hal is. It's the movie I didn't finish. <laughs> right. Let's be clear. Okay, all right, all right. But it has this idea of kind of AI and technology going rogue and kind of becoming. It, it making its own decisions, which is, is crucial to the storyline here. Um, what, what did you guys think about the combination of all three of those technologies, really? I mean, I thought, I thought it was good. I think, you know, obviously a projector, you know, that's the thing we have. And crystals, I think, I think with Denon's talk of lasers and crystals, you know, you could easily imagine, you know, this precursor first ones technology you know, having some cool projector stuff with all their crystal tech and these data crystals, you know, that, that part all makes sense. And I think that, you know, you could easily make a hologram with that kind of stuff. I also really liked the, uh, at least at, in the first time she met it, the complete inability to communicate because she didn't know, like, what the rules were for talking to this AI. I liked the imperfection mm-hmm. of, you know, we have that now where, you know, these virtual AI assistants, you know, they don't always know how to answer your questions. So I really right. kind of like that little nod to, you know, bad AIs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, or even, you know, Ben, that's exactly one of the things I was going to talk about. There's not even just the bad AI. It's just different centuries. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. The language has changed enough that the, the AI doesn't yet know the slang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and right. And we'll even start the whole story over from the beginning when that's not at all what Adora is asking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. right. And, and, and I think that is something that gives a, an element of realism to a situation like that, where it's not just being used, like everybody automatically understands each other. And so that was kind of a cool element. And that after being around and not used, it's glitchy, mm-hmm. right. And right. it has problems. And, and there are other parts of technology that have been damaged that it depends on. And so it doesn't work perfectly. 
um, and they have to fix things. I think those are all um, very positive, like from a technology point of view, those are things that would happen to technology. And also it has a very robust security system. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when, yes, you need a flying when, horse or a sword. Right. Well, or <laughs> right. but when it and when it detects an intruder, like it has right. all these great lockdowns and weird traps, yeah. and oh, it's great. Well, I love that, and and I also love the fact that like it sits around for a long time and it gets corrupted. The data gets corrupted. The AI is a little corrupted, yeah. and that's you know I think that's it goes kind of rogue and makes its own decisions. I, I think that's great, and I love that it's kind of a thousand years seems like a long time. To, to be kind of yeah. sitting around to, and then to work. I don't think you could make a computer last a thousand years, but uh, but but the idea is there. I love it. So I, I think we kind of nailed she guys. This is... Uh, oh, this was great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for taking a chance on this, guys. I think this was fun. <laughs> it's a great show. <laughs> yeah. But it's changed Ben's life. I mean, if I, oh, I yeah. can be, be clear. We, if you want to continue the conversation, if, if we've missed something on she you can get a hold of the show on Twitter, at FGGGBTPod. Uh, we're on Facebook, at FGGGBT. But you can also talk to us. Ben, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on all the major social media networks, at BSeepser. How do you spell that? B... S-I-E-P-S-E-R. Denon, where can people find you? So you can find me Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Denon Michael. You flip my name. And then on Facebook, you add a prof, at Prof Denon Michael. And you can find me, I am on Twitter, at Daniel J. Glenn, on Instagram, at the Daniel J. Glenn, Facebook, at Analytical Mastermind. Uh, we talked about a lot of stuff here. We got AI, we got, we got planets with the power to destroy all life as we know it. We got vibrating crystals. This is a lot of incredibly dangerous stuff. You want to be very responsible. Don't try this at home unless you are like our ethical engineer and are very careful. You want to be a superhero, not a supervillain. So until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. If you love the show, you got to subscribe. You don't want to miss an episode. We're on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. If you want links to that, I made it really easy. I got a website, fgbt.com. That's fgbt.com. You can find links to the podcast subscribe buttons at the bottom of the page. And if you go to the top, you can find all of our episodes. We've got some on YouTube. We've got the audio versions there. And you listen to the show. You know we talk about in real life articles and and videos and all that stuff. Everything we mentioned in the episode, it's on each show's individual episode page. That's where you find it. And if you like this show, you're going to like everything that I do. Go to DanielJGlenn.com to find out more. Thank you for listening.